So as I'm reflecting on the episode that I just recorded to do the introduction, I know that this is probably one of those Rethink Real Estate episodes where it's a rant. <laughs> um, so guys, I've tried to keep it as short as possible, uh, 13 minutes, I think it is. Um, but uh, on today's episode, I'm going to go through an actual live example of one of the live auctions that we just recently had only a couple of days ago to give you in a perspective of hopefully, hopefully give you a different perspective of the marketplace in multiple offer situations and give you some realty re- reality to... If you're saying to yourself that you got the highest and best price for your client, did you really? Did you really push it through the actual means of, that it needed to go to to get that outcome? Hopefully, the episode takes you through something that gives you a little bit of a different perspective. Hopefully, it helps you fold auction into the talking points within your mind if you've got a North American real estate business or anywhere else. But uh, hope you enjoy. Welcome to Rethink Real Estate. My name is Ben Brady, and this is a real estate podcast aimed to deliver sales strategies, marketing tips, and business insights from industry experts and myself to build a listing-focused business for the future. Let's get into it. And we're back with another episode of Rethink Real Estate, folks. Uh, Just finished up a live auction just only a day or so ago. And I wanted to go through just one of the blatantly obvious things that is probably me being a being a broken record here, but it was the perception of what somebody's absolute max was that somebody would pay in a multiple offer situation versus what we actually ended up with on auction day. Um, big shout out to Grant Dolp. Um, he was a listing agent in two properties, multifamily in San Bernardino. Um, interestingly enough, like properties with, you know, the just two properties that had a lot of hair on the transaction. Like, and what I mean by that is that when I say on the transaction themselves, you know, you've got four plexes, you know, some tenants need evicting, some, you know, are, you know, are, are paying on time sometimes. Others are really good. Um, properties had been remodeled a little bit inside, but still some deferred maintenance outside as well. Just really good multifamily properties that, you know, can use a little bit of improvement, have the opportunity to purchase them in the state that they are and to improve, um, obviously is a big appeal for a great deal of, uh, investors that are out there. As you can appreciate the moment that these properties hit the marketplace, there was a great deal of interest that ultimately was there. And what I mean by that is that there was interest in the sense that when it came down to it is that these investors, you know, all of a sudden saw blood in the water when it came to the word auction and they saw that financial opportunity that drove them there. So first and foremost, it is is the driving of the interest that those properties had when they were traditionally listed versus, okay, when they were auctioned. Traditionally, these properties had been on and off the marketplace a number of times. Agents couldn't do it because one of the biggest problems was is that you couldn't get in to see them and all of the properties simultaneously because of the nature of the 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 tenant situation, giving everybody notice. And it was just a logistical nightmare. So putting that set deadline on it, first of all, was a very big change in everybody's perception of things. But secondarily was the full disclosure that we had on the properties done up front. Okay. So that therefore people could feel comfortable with that. But it wasn't just that that I'm trying to make a point of is that, yes, we drove a great deal more interest there, even though they'd been traditionally listed previously, they had a lot of hair on the transaction, so to speak. So a lot of difficult things that, had, that, that were in place. But it was more so what happened throughout the transaction that I really wanted to just make sure that we're all in all in you know agreement with, so to speak, or that we're all aware of, is that with a little bit of hype leading into the beginning of the year's marketplace. And what I mean by that is that you're seeing 
days on market decreased because of low inventory levels and then the hype around interest rates being a little lower than what they were and people having a little bit of urgency to find a property. We're seeing multiple offer situations and we're seeing people saying that they're selling properties in record timeframes, the real estate market's back and we're getting great prices for things. We've got to be conscious with that because let me give you an example. Both of these properties had in excess of eight offers on them prior to auction day. Now, again, for those that are tuning in for the first time and don't understand the auction process is that we put the property live on the marketplace. It goes into the MLS. We put low bidding to start from prices on the property as the list price. So a price that's far lower than what the property is worth or what the seller wants. And in that transition of when the property is first put on the market, there's about a three or four week period of time. Now, these properties were on the market over Christmas and over New Year, okay, with an auction date of the 11th of January. Now, in that period of time leading up, okay, it would have went on the marketplace, I think about a week or so before Christmas, and then the auction date was the 11th of January. In in that pre-auction period, people are more than welcome to put offers in to stop the auction. Let me be clear on something. 98% of people do not want to go to auction day if they can avoid it. That's why if a person is registering to bid, okay, 99% of the time, they've already put an offer in to try and stop the auction anyway. So therefore, we've gone through the process of validating them financially and also making sure that we verified their identity to say who they are. They are who they say they are, so to speak, okay, and that they can purchase the property. Now, in this position, when we had so much interest leading up to the auction, we just started to tell people, hey, look, we're not accepting offers prior to auction. We are going to actually just register everybody to bid because it would be unfair of us to actually accept an offer prior to auction with the volume of interest all in the close vicinity of each other. We want to create transparency in the real estate transaction. We want to allow people to bid against each other and see what the other competition is there and have the final say. So all of that said is that with the volume of interest that we had, let me give you an example of one of the properties itself. Okay. We got a highest offer on that property prior to auction day, okay, of $850,000. Now, we went back to everybody and said, is this your highest and best? We run the scenario to see if there's any front runners prior to auction where we basically go back to everybody and say, you have one final chance to submit your highest and best before auction to stop the auction. So we gave everybody an an opportunity to put their highest and best in to stop the auction. Why we do this is to see if there's any overhanging um, or overhanging buyers. And what I mean by that, front runners, okay, or people that are just so far ahead of everyone else. In this situation, everybody didn't, when we had a few people increase and they were all around the same price again. So we took it to auction. 850 was the maximum that we had prior to auction day. We had people threaten not to register to bid. We had people say that they were never going to pay any more than that. What's the point of having auction? Okay. On the day of auction, we got to a million dollars under bidding. Now, this came down to $1,000 increments that I believe went for roughly about $50,000, okay? It might've been a little less or a little more, okay? However, where I'm going with this is that this is people saying that it was their absolute highest and best traditionally through a multiple offer situation where people can submit offers prior to auction day and then taking it to auction where you give them that transparency and you take them through that process and you run the risk of them saying, I'm not going to register to bid for auction. Nobody wants to go through that process if they don't have to, which is still a little bit bewildering to me because I would rather see what the other people are bidding. Okay. I would really want to either see where everything stands and I would want the final chance. Like many, many times with auctions, I've had the best bidder come in right at the end when everybody else has depleted their bids and gone, bam, there it is. I know what it's worth now from everybody else with the social validation that is there and away we go. The other thing that it also creates as well is a different level of certainty. And let me go down this path a little bit as well. 
In the month of December, across the board in California, for all the deals that we were involved in from a traditional sense, these deals were falling out of escrow left and right. I mean, I think that there was an industry um, percentage. Now, again, I'm, 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 I've got multiple sources that are different. One of them said that there was a 91% fallout rate of escrow. If a property went into escrow, that it fell out. If it went into escrow in December, it fell out. Now, the other thing also that I thought was really interesting is that there was many, many sources that said it was 75%. Now, that's the interesting thing is that usually it's not a good thing when there's a differentiator of over 75% where there's 75% and 91%, which is where everything sort of stood in the perspective of falling out of escrow. Now, where we stood with the auction process on this property is that there is a higher sense of validation because they've had to fight for the property. They've had to then have, see, they've actually then seen other people, okay, that are willing to pay very close to that amount within $1,000 in this case. Now, this is everything that, that, that is the process that we need to understand. If we're sitting there and we're really looking in the mirror as realtors and going, hey, I definitely got the highest and best price with a multiple offer situation. You know, there's certain situations where you might be able to sell yourself on that. But the reality is unless people are really tested to go through that, unless they're pushed in order to register to bid, unless they're pushed with competition, maybe we didn't. And then even if we do get the highest and best price, the terms at the moment that people are putting on their agreements, if it's not completely non-contingent, I haven't seen many that are willing to actually remove all of their contingencies with the, the flakiness of the financial side of things at the moment. And then also with home inspection or inspection contingencies that are just allowing people to change their mind anyway, property reputation is so important at this point in time in the marketplace as well. If a property falls out and it spends longer on the marketplace and and therefore the reputational damage that then goes that goes through. I think that if we were to push and we were to go through a little bit more process and that we were to register these people to bid, make them verify, then give them the social validation of the competition that is there. Now, granted, these are situations where we have a great deal of competition on these properties that then we can leverage it into auction and make sure that we create the absolute most transparent arena to get the best outcome for buyer so that they know that they've paid market value and seller that they know they've gotten the best market value. Now, in situations where properties aren't moving as quickly, we need to take the narrative into our own hands. And that is an entire another episode of the podcast. So again, guys, if I'm going to go through this, this happened with both of these multifamily properties. We ended up far above where any of the previous offers with even countering and giving them the highest and best opportunity to stop the auction. Over $150,000 more when the highest offer was eight hundred and fifty. dollars we really need to reflect and say, did we really get the highest price possible if we were just doing a multiple offer situation traditionally or selling a property traditionally? Now, the answer is probably not if we're not willing to put a little bit more elbow grease in and work through that. It's just one of the things that I definitely wanted to make sure that we pointed out early on into the real estate journey of 2024. Again, we're going to see certain hype in the marketplace with people thinking that interest rates are going down. And that hype may stop people from moving forward and purchasing because they think they can get a better deal on their mortgage later. Auctions helping us drive timelines, getting people registered to bid. And these are on commercial properties. And just to be clear, okay, just to be clear, these proper, this property, okay, even though it was below the threshold for a commercial loan, they were all getting financing. Okay. Every single buyer was getting financing. We just made sure that the further validation had to happen. 
These are people that are taking it on at interest rates that are higher than normal because at the end of the day, okay, this is a multifamily building. Okay. So, and they're putting less down so that therefore they can obviously stretch their portfolios or also. So again, this isn't just the situation where they're all cash, per, cash, per, cash purchases with no contingencies at all. We've got to work. We've got to push back. We've got to make sure we're protecting the reputational damage of a property if it falls out of escrow. We've got to make sure we're taking these buyers and pushing them to actually register the bid because if they're not willing to actually go and jump through a few hurdles, what do you think that they're going to be like in the escrow period? Okay. And again, $150,000 more than the highest offer prior to auction day, okay, with given multiple chances to increase that to stop the auction is proof, proof, okay, that the auction transparency will get the absolute best outcome. Now, the one little kicker that I want to leave you with, this seller had an offer on this property, this particular one, okay, now remember, selling at auction, million dollars flat. He had an offer, okay, probably about three months ago from BlackRock, okay, that was willing to put an offer in for $1.6 Now, that obviously went away. But as you can appreciate, that is all the seller was talking about the entire time through auction. Now, guys, no one had ever been able to present him another offer outside of the BlackRock offer, okay? The institutional investor that is inflating the marketplace and now is laying off 3% of their staff globally, okay? So, no other traditional real estate agent that had it on the market traditionally previously. He didn't. He chose not to accept that offer. But where we had the absolute proof in today's marketplace was the incredibly high volume of offers prior to auction, okay? And then to get more, $150,000 more than where the offers had been and he hadn't seen prior to auction, as you can appreciate, the seller seeing the marketplace with his own two eyes definitely got the deal done. Hopefully this has given you a little bit of an insight into the auction process and the live auction and the way that things have been working at the moment. Hopefully you can add it into your tool belt as an agent leading into 2024. If you want any further information or want us to speak to one of your clients, by all means, just reach out to us. Thanks again for listening. So about 75% of our audience hasn't liked, followed, or subscribed to our podcast. It would mean the world to us and it would help this podcast more than you know to expand our reach if you were to like, follow, or subscribe on any of the platforms that you're watching or listening on. Thanks again.